You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And we are here to begin our journey through the multiverse, or at least the sacred timeline with Loki. Appears to be a standard sequence violation. Branch is growing at a stable rate and slope. Variant identified. I beg your pardon. On behalf of the Time Variance Authority, I hereby arrest you for crimes against the sacred timeline. Hands up. You're coming with us. I'm sorry, who's us? Last chance, Variant. <laughs> it's been a very long day, and I think I've had my fill of idiots in armored suits telling me what to do, so if you don't mind, this is actually your last chance. Now get out of my way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's been a while since we've we've been on the mic. Yeah, we've had a little bit of a break, both for uh, transitions in both of our lives. Uh, yours, an incredible increase in work. Yep. And mine, an alteration in work. So, uh, so now we are going to try and work our way back to follow at least this story and do a little bit of film yeah yeah uh well i'm excited we've been looking forward to loki for a little while and we just finished i mean well not just finished but a month ago went through falcon and winter soldier so we're just going to continue with all the the marvel all the marvel stuff that's happening uh, along with some other stuff too so if you like you know listening to us talk about other films then you're in the right place um so we're going to go through loki and there are spoilers, so if you haven't watched, please don't listen. There's no point in listening if you haven't watched the episodes. Right, and it's impossible to avoid spoilers yeah. with this at, at this point. Everything yeah. is potentially yeah. a spoiler that we talk about. Yeah, even being on social media could be a, spo- a spoiler, right? Yeah. Like if you're just scrolling through Facebook. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're just going to talk about week one and week two, episodes one and two of Loki. Uh, and just kind of, I don't actually even know where to start with this because, uh, I mean, everything kind of was. It's just one big episode. Like you could, you could. They probably could have done one two-hour-long episode for episodes one and two. It would have and it no would flow. Difference. Yeah, it would just flow really, really well together. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a setup to make you think things are going to take longer than they do. Yeah. So by splitting them into two episodes, we get fooled to think that the end game of this mm-hmm. isn't going to happen to some extent in episode two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a bigger storyline here that we have not encountered yet. But yes. I agree that it's yeah. a, that it could have easily been one two hour. These block. yeah episodes one and two really feels like a prologue to what is going to actually happen because we don't have a villain yet. You know I can't even necessarily say that. Uh, here's the biggest spoiler so far is that female Loki, right, is a villain. Like she she very well could not be a villain. You know we don't know what she's working against. Um, right. I mean the these timekeepers could certainly be that as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah we we've only been given one perspective and yeah there's a lot of information in the mm -hmm. second one that that gives us some clues potentially to things we can get to that but you're right we've only been given one perspective yeah and And we're just choosing to think that alternate female loki is the villain at least they're the villain to the tva and And so to the story we're in right yeah right um, but that very well could not be the case. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, episode one really was just a big setup and a lot of exposition, but I thought it was done well in the sense of like motivated for the character to understand the character of Loki to understand what they're in, where they are, when they are. Right. And even though there's are. some info dumps, a lot of it's done either through visuals or through action. Mm-hmm. Right. So we learn mm-hmm. about you know the consequences of what's going to happen by what happens to someone else um and it's all telegraphed like it's not like we're right one thing about this story is it feels very much like um like the pieces are being put out way in front of us like this mm-hmm. is not a, the mystery box here is not about um i i guess it's not it's it's not about the TVA in that story. The mystery box is the plot line or whatever's yeah. happening around the, yeah. the rest of it. They're letting pieces be seen so we understand mm-hmm. at least what's happening on the surface. Yeah, there's a mystery to it and uh, it, it, it's, it makes me, you know, we talked about before like with, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier it's hard to get momentum because of the breaks week to right. week. That wasn't the case with WandaVision. 
because it was just this big mystery of what is happening. Mm -hmm. You're constantly questioning, theorizing what is going to happen next in next week's episode. And I think Loki's in a, in, in a similar boat in the sense of you're just kind of wondering what is going on the entire time. There wasn't as much mystery or, uh, you know, things that were being hidden to us uh, or from us in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So right. and this keeps the drive going. That mystery keeps the the desire to watch next week. And all the exposition's critical, or else mm -hmm. the mystery isn't dissectable, yeah. right? So right. We because we won't understand. Right. Yeah. We either have to be fooled, or um, we we either need to be fooled, or we need to be engaged. Yeah. In the process, right? Like, yeah. there are the two things, and, and right now we're we are either following a truth or we're following a fiction. But in either case, we have to understand the TVA mm -hmm. and what it, where he is in order for either of those to work for us. And yeah. So if you're going to just take the ride. You need to know that stuff. Well, and that and that that's actually that's cool because we're we're in in Loki's perspective here, and he, I mean, him being somebody who is constantly someone who, who lies and tricks his way and is uh, throws illusions and tries to, you know, make people see something that's not actually happening or vice versa. Uh, you know, we're in that perspective, and that's kind of be that's kind of happening to him. Is all all of this stuff is being. He's just in this new world, and so we are, we're feeling trapped. I don't know what to believe, what not to believe, mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that he doesn't either. This whole new world is being opened up to him, and so we're we're given a cool perspective. Uh, so I think this story is really cool, um, in what's gonna what's gonna pan out and how we're gonna f feel connected to whatever trick is gonna be, you know, the rug that's gonna be pulled out from under us at some point, which I feel like has to happen. There has to be some kind of twist. Would you imagine? Do you think that there's going to be some kind of like major thing that happens that's just going to? Well, I mean, I think I yeah, I think it, there may be more than one. That's the only thing I would say mm -hmm. is that we may see more than one uh, expectation. You know, in a way, there's a couple things, and we'll get to it as we go through. But one thing is that you know the Marvel Netflix all suffered from oh, yeah. the yeah. episode eight. We should have stopped here, right? Uh, and flipping off to another storyline for the last half, or trying to manage two storylines right. that they're trying to they get want to, to trying to get to twelve one. episodes was right, hard, right? And so they would have some secondary storyline that never quite really panned out, except perhaps with Daredevil, right, where uh -huh, the plotting right. was different, um, and that may be because of the theme stuff underlying that. Here, it feels like we could have three different stories that just build that. Mm -hmm. the, but with that as the purpose, the purpose being like we're stepping into something new next week because Loki stepped into somewhere new. Right. Um, I don't know if that means we're abandoning the TVA. I doubt that's the case, but it is no long. It is not going to be a story of the TVA. Right. You know, uh, and Loki, there's other things going on here, at least at this point that that feels to me like we're going to get more than one of those jumps. Like mm -hmm. there's there's another surprise for us. Yeah. You, you can't give us the number of surprises we had in this second episode and say, oh, now we're just going to ride the, c the consequences of this. Right, 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 right. Well, like I said, I think, I think the first two episodes are such a prologue because the TVA, this whole thing, was essential for us to understand how time works and how the mm -hmm. timelines work and how people can hide in those timelines and, you know, what causes the branching and how much time, like all of that stuff I think is necessary because that's going to play into the rest of the series. And so we've gotten that. And even in episode two, Loki is trying to explain it in such layman's terms. Mm -hmm. of, and it's all obviously, I mean, Mobius is like, that's such an oversimplification multiple times of everything that Loki describes. But it's again, it's essential for us to understand. So they're really trying to hammer home how how time works, because I think and especially I think because a lot of people are still confused over the time, myself included a little bit over the end game. Flow of, right. of of time, um, although Endgame certainly lives within the rules. Yes, here just yes. the consequences appear to be different. Right, right, right. Um, and because the the reset timelines are all reset by Captain America, mm -hmm. you know, instead right. of by this outside organization, at least as far as we know. Right, it right. was supposed to happen. Right, and yeah, uh, yeah, and so and so he he loops back and does the things he has to do. Right, um, you know, when we get that teaser in the first episode where we see all of these, you know, infinity stones laying in a yeah a jar that they're yeah. you know these things are a, 
constant presence here and they're powerless in this mm-hmm. space. Yeah, they say he said they, some of the guys use them as paperweights. Right. Right. So they're they're powerless once the TVA takes control of them. Right. Because I guess I, I why how would they become powerless? Do you think just because they're outside of the flow of time? I, I think that's probably what it yeah. is. And it, there's so, to some extent that makes sense because Loki loses his magic in the TVA too. Mm-hmm. where the TVA is and how it functions. And to be honest, one of the things that I um, would love to sort of take the time to delve into mm-hmm. is all of the initials because the elevator has a lot of different yeah. Yeah. three letter acronym yeah. references. Uh, and so there's more here than meets the eye too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We are, I don't know if we can even dissect any of that at this point. It would right? just be guesswork. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I know there's someone on YouTube who's done that. Well, I know that, you know, Screen Crush does the, uh, all the Easter eggs and things you didn't notice videos. And he got to that and he's like, I literally have no idea what any of these, these random letters and combinations mean. Right. So we're not even going to waste time but on they're gonna, it. But they're going to, they're going to, we're going to get circle something, back. whether, circle whether back it's in there. this series or someplace else, mm-hmm. depending on what happens. And the same thing with uh, the dates of the eventual bombings. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Rockstars did a big piece about that, and they tried to talk about what each of those was landing. And mm-hmm. very quickly, uh, it was clear that they the information wasn't enough to give mm-hmm. legitimate, useful, like there's so much guesswork. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't help me at all. Yeah, you know, the bo- but, uh, uh, at the end of this episode yes, here, where she drops all of the, the oh, charges the into charges the and different places, these, right? Yeah, and those places, you can read all the places they went. Or right, least, you can see it on the board, right? At least the, a portion of it. It's on the uh, Ms. Minutes screen. Yes, it's on the big the ticker. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, running through all, all those. Historically, mm-hmm. it's interesting. There are some significant ones. Um, and uh, we can talk about that later. Now, probably. now let's. I just want to break down. I, I wasn't sure 100 percent what was happening. I think that so she was dropping these charges, and that does that disrupt the flow of time in that right. space, which causes some kind of variant uh, variation to the timeline. Correct. Right. And so, w- what is actually happening when she drops those charges into those places? Like, is it getting rid of? what is it getting rid of in that space it's altering so it's creating a change that flows something off that line now what the actual change scientific process yeah i don't know nor what the individual specific change is right because we saw the charge drop in the uh renaissance fair right and all it got rid of was the time uh the tva's stuff right it literally cleaned out all of the anything anything that's a variant a variant which would be beings, right? Like for the most part, it's a being alteration. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it did, it made a change in the timeline and that change in the timeline creates a variation. So there is still the real timeline mm-hmm. or whatever the sacred timeline, whatever that right. manifest right. item is moving forward, right? Which feels more like a rope of a thousand strands and it does one mm-hmm. single beam. And then some of that gets flipped off of the main timeline yeah. or split off and that's what we're seeing happen and they're moving quickly like that's when you see that things are going yeah. pretty rapidly I, I don't know whether they'll do some kind of marginal reset at the beginning of the next episode what it's what it looks like though is that the goal is to cause like multi timeline uh some kind of eruption of trying to to break br- there's something some talk about like uh the the multiverse or the the multi-timelines fighting against each other for right. the power right which is what the timekeepers apparently manage right right or, right. or they stopped from happening before and right. they created one strand if you know more about this please let us or, or organize DM us or send us feels, a voiceover or something. it feels like they're shepherds as, and decision mm-hmm. makers as opposed to like yeah. builders right well based on everything that i've heard so far part of me is like the timekeepers aren't even real and this is a whole like i know they're real in the comics correct well, like I'm, they're well, around i'm gonna say to you that the, i don't i think that we can't trust any of the exposition in the first that's that's how i'm feeling because because right. i mean the fact that mobius hasn't met uh the timekeepers and they're just these beings that are above everything uh i just don't know if i can get behind them actually existing and uh renslayer feels really shady to me um the judge who was giving Loki the, right. uh, you know, Mobius's boss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she f- she feels like right now the person who's who thinks she's in control too, and so she's trying to do the right thing. But I think everybody at the TVA is 
under some kind of another illusion of some sort. It certainly feels like they're, you know, what we've... It feels enslaved almost. Yeah, and we've know? been prepped by WandaVision that people can be living with a misunderstanding of their condition, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Um, and we get that uh, here in the first episode. We don't get much of that except for the bizarre simplicity and the inconsistency of the people in the TVA, right? Mm -hmm. So the TVA doesn't look like a group of created soldiers and scientists and investigators to do a thing, right? right. It looks like a, a dis disparate, highly differentiated people. Yeah. So there's something about that that's weird, right? Like right. whatever that is, there's something about that that we need to consider, which yeah. either means they are someone who we'll find out about or they're, um, they're people stolen from someplace, whatever. There's something going on. I think enslaved's a good word, but mm -hmm. WandaVision gives us the evidence that that's possible, right? Right, right. And right, we right. see that same technology essentially utilized by the female Loki, yeah. um, whose name in the credits is Sylvie or Sylvia. Okay. Not Loki, interestingly enough. Huh. But the, the last name is the is the appropriate last name to the ice giants, except for daughter. So, you know, last names are son Lofson, and daughter, yeah, right? right? So it's Lofson daughter, whatever huh. it is. But but there is a character in the comics who is that name. Okay. So what like but whether that matters or not, or it's just a tease, it doesn't make much difference. The, yeah. The idea is that you know, um, she she's a variant, right? Or at least we we are told to believe she's a variant. But the rest of that group looks like they could also be variants. Well, brought she's, into she's the definitely job. a variant if we're looking at the MCU timeline that we've watched up right. until the end of Endgame, um, or even through, sorry, past uh, up until now, up until Loki. Right. You know, um, and so she hasn't existed inside of that, inside of that timeline that we know of, I guess, um, outside of it. Yeah, and I mean, she may have existed inside that timeline, but only as a variant. Right. The difficult right. thing for me about the variant idea, and this is like going all the whole distance, I guess, <laughs> is that to spawn like she's a a female Loki mm -hmm. for our understanding of Loki is a variant from Go. Mm -hmm. So it takes a long time for her to get to be an adult. Would not the timeline have split at her birth? I see. You know, and yeah. would not there have been a series of splits? at that birth for every one of the variants or does he has he mutated at some place like you see what i'm saying like when like when did he become a female loki or in the alternate when did he timeline become the big burly loki right. or when did he become the like the one yeah. the loki where he looks like he's whatever like a businessman or, a uh -huh, or whatever uh -huh. that 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 i can see that being a transition right something changes there but the question about when the variation creates the split in the deviant timeline seems it must happen at some initiating incident mm -hmm. i think they play around with the language like eventually it catches up and it breaks away but it strikes me that if that's a girl everything's different right from go right like everything changes if uh odin finds a female uh ice child you know what i mean and that ev yeah. everything changes because that's a sister that sister would remind uh, well, that's hella like all, right. all, everything changes. And so I, for me, the time issue may be an oversimplification. And that's what we well, that well, and that for. and that may be a uh, that may just be us as people um, and not gods un, uh, who understand who can only understand gender identity to a certain extent. Right. And I know that on Loki's form, it said that his gender is fluid. And so right. that he, he, the fluidity of gender in Asgard may be very different than the fluidity of gender here to us, you know, like right. they may identify differently. And so there's it, like, it may not have, it may not have been different. And for Loki to be able to identify one way or the other, he could go back and forth or she or they could go back and forth. Right. Depending on. What, who knows? I don't know. I don't know how any of and that works. And we just don't have that, that right? We don't have any context right? in that. But my thing is, I don't know. You're right from go because we're assuming that we're we have you have one timeline that 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 stretches the the sacred timeline, the MCU. And then you have. Do you have other timelines that run parallel to that, 
without some kind of divergence in that timeline? Like, does there, is there still alternate time that happens even when there's no deviation from the main timeline? Does right. it still exist and without that deviation? And this really sounds like it doesn't, right? Like that's Ye what the story we yeah. seem to be being told. Yeah, but then that's where, but that's where it gets weird because when would he have deviated from the timeline and became a female version of Loki? Um, and how would that have happened? Right. Because if it all starts with the Loki we know, then at some point he would have had to deviate. Right. But if he deviated, if he if he deviates, then that Loki doesn't exist in the regular flow. I don't know. The time. This is where this is where the Avengers Endgame right. time uh, heist thing gets really confusing for right. me. One, uh, we're gonna it's not Back to the Future time. It's it's something else, it's something right? Else. And one of the, you know, there, this this story has been told from the beginning as if it's going to be a heist story. So we're now getting to that mm -hmm. part, right? So the detectives versus the heist, mm -hmm. like something's happening now. In, in some ways, this feels to me like um, Flashpoint from DC, mm -hmm. where the Flash, you know, by virtue of the speed power that changes his ability to move time rearranges the universe right right, right, right. the tool they're going to use in the flashpoint movie mm -hmm. to reset some things in the dceu maybe make that work mm -hmm. here this what it looks like it also looks like yet a uh, yet another effort to build the foundation for whatever is going to happen in doctor strange yeah well, the, what, well the, and spider-man what, what it certainly feels like it's doing is at the very least it's trying to find a way for Loki to return to the sacred timeline post Loki right. death mm -hmm. and it be allowed by time, right? By it not being a divergence or variance of time, him returning post his death would mean that he's back in the original right. flow of time. And because I, I don't think that it, it, it'd be very hard for Loki to not exist in our understanding of the mcu you know because he, yeah. he he's been a key player since the very very beginning so which i, I hope he i hope he comes back because i like his dynamic with thor and he's had a lot of his, uh, character growth he's had a lot of growth his arc has been huge and i don't think they're ready to just let that let well, that and we're go. getting to see his arc mm -hmm. you know yeah can re-emerge here mm -hmm. in this compressed space when he's yeah we, we see moments with him where we know he's not being a trickster with us, so mm -hmm. we're, we're we at least get to see some measure of honesty. Yeah. Even if we watch him and we get tricked sometimes, you know, like in that Renaissance Fair, mm -hmm. where we are sort of like, which side is he on? Those yeah. questions, and and yeah. at the end of this episode is the same thing that applies, and yeah. we see that all the way through. One of the things about Loki that's fun is that he's not as capable as uh, Thor, right? Like mm -hmm. he isn't quite the well right right the expert yeah uh, of the uh, the powerful he isn't as powerful a force and so it's mm -hmm. it, i actually think he and owen wilson's dynamic is fantastic because they're able yes. owen wilson's sense of comedy and his his ability to also anchor drama makes him a great foil for hiddleston who is also able to do both of those things yeah with the very grounded sense yeah. of Wilson and the very Shakespearean sense of Hiddleston, they make a really nice pair, and it allows us to to see that weakness mm -hmm. and that other side play out really. They nicely. also contrast in such a weird way of like uh, Owen Wilson always comes off as this this uh, happy go lucky optimist type of guy, and and Loki is just uh, Tom Hiddleston plays this Loki character who's just so cynical and just is selfish and doesn't you know they're just quite opposites there as well but uh i think i think that owen wilson's perfectly cast for this it sounds like it was almost written for him yeah you know the dialogue is it sounds so owen wilson other other than maybe giving him like hey you have some free reign to ad lib here and there which there's owen wilson isms that certainly come out um in his in his performance but i i love owen wilson he's so charming uh, and I need to see him ride a jet ski at some point in this show. Uh, uh, yeah, that's actually. I, I need. I need to see him on a jet ski. What happens to his character feels to me like it's something that is going to be engaging for us, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm excited about the possibility of watching how he changes. Yeah. Right. Well, and to I, I'm excited about the possibility. I think of 
watching him continue in the MCU outside of this series right. because it feels like his character could continue after he learns some kind of truth that he's not tied down to everything that he's ever known right. and that he's able to, um, le- you know, just learn that he's not controlled by the timekeepers or by time itself. It seems like there's going to be a valuable lesson that he's going to learn from Loki and that Loki's going to learn a valuable lesson from Mobius at some point. And, you know, I think Loki going through that uh, very cool time portal uh, at the end to chase female Loki. I don't think that he's betraying Mobius. I think he's continuing to do his job uh, as somebody who works for the TVA, but also at the same time serving his himself. Right. Loki's only ever served himself. And that's why he's stabbed people in the back 50 times, you know. Right. But I think at some point he's going to and we know he's capable of this. He's going to defend and try and defend uh, the people that he cares about because we've seen him do that in at the beginning of Endgame. Uh, sorry, in the beginning of Infinity War when he tries to kill Thanos. Well, the, you know, the moment that initiates this whole thing is that grabbing of the Tesseract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that Which creates the variation that mm-hmm. everything moves forward from in uh, Endgame. And I love the moment when he gets a Tesseract because he, mm-hmm. his acting value, like the choice that the actor makes is surprise, right? Yeah. And that's a great way to sort of start this, that it isn't, there's some things that are dumb luck and taking advantage of opportunity. And, right. I, and I feel like that's a Loki thing. Like yeah. when there's an open door, he takes advantage. So, yeah, yeah. you know, Odin is right, there. Constantly. So he yeah. puts on Odin's form right. and makes himself a hero, right? Yeah. Like it isn't that he, he really manipulates everything into place as much yeah. as he, is he's in the right place at the right time and he is able to seize that opportunity. Right. I love that talk about him being ears with teeth because mm-hmm. I think he is ears. He listens and he figures out what's going on and he doesn't always get the consequence he wants in that business with his yeah. the death of his mother, which I thought was really well done in episode mm-hmm. one. And I knew he was going to see the death of his mother and I was knew he was going to see his own death. Right. Because they yes, have exactly it had to happen because he has to grow yeah. as a character. We right. have to get him back. It's we the have gom- to ca- we have to catch him up to where we know that he's going right. to be. Yeah, it's the Gamora problem. Right. So yeah. Gamora has moved so far mm-hmm. forward um, that g- the new the Gamora we have in the Marvel Universe now is good because she helps drama continue. Right. The old Gamora, the drama has gone. Right. right. Like right. she's she's healed she's herself. Yeah. She's flat. Yeah. And, you know, the. Thanos had the same thing happen to him, right? Mm-hmm. So we need old Thanos in Endgame right. in order to have a villain because the Thanos that's grown is not that guy anymore. He's yeah. the gardener, and right. that's not the same story. So this puts it... Uh, I mean, it give, it's nice to see that that decision to bring him back, but walk him forward enough that he'll be able to re-enter that universe mm-hmm. as, a, as a well-rounded character yeah. instead of the yeah the person he was in the very beginning of he's the only seen his death but he does, he hasn't experienced the change and right. so we're able to he's able to understand what we've seen without experiencing it right uh, but he understands it uh, I mean even even watching the tears well up when he reads the file on Asgard's planetary full planetary destruction um, and uh, you know it, even you know, it was cool. I don't know if you caught it. There was it said the Revengers Initiative down at the bottom, which is what uh, I think Thor called right. called that that team in uh, in in Thor Ragnarok. But um, yeah, lots of lots of cool things that they're they're floating in there. But let's just say this too. I, um, so I, one thing I think Marvel's doing here, right, is they're alternating cosmic and mm-hmm. Earth based, right? So we're gonna see Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. coming up who's going to be more that series is going to be much more like falcon and the winter soldier yeah we're going to switch from these two sort is that of the next series that's, that's that should be the next thing and it's mm-hmm. wrapped right so it's in mm-hmm. it's in post right yeah so it's it's doing its thing but um with with that in mind with this switching back and forth they're seeding future films mm-hmm. but this yeah. more than anything feels yeah. like it is chock full of uh, referential Easter eggy text. Oh yeah, at at a level that's beyond. Well, and it's going to happen because you're dealing with time, and so it, that's just how it's that's just how it's going to be because they have full control over what we're what they're showing us and when they're showing things and you know all of that. 
you know, all of that stuff files being and pulled files, left and right like it. you have so much stuff that just opening those files or having screens with information knickknacks of things that they've collected right. from different time periods everything like is up for grabs and my hope is that they're clever enough that some of those are up for grabs from the future mm -hmm. like i would love to see some of that appear in a later where you rewatch the show in five years and we've had five more years of Marvel films that and we're come like, out oh, and now we can pick out right, that prop look, that's sitting, that on, the prop is sitting on the, the shelf. The roller skate right. that Mobius is talking about it could be from suddenly becomes the from Spider-Man, right. you know, right. no way home. Like th those yeah. would be really charming things. Some of the places those bomb drops include like Thanos's birth time um, mm. or Thanos's youth. They, several of them strike at, points in Loki's timeline okay there but some of course are whatever completely like, random we don't know yet yeah right. apparently right. there's two in Tennessee hmm. um but you know two in Tennessee I know I th I'm pretty sure Tony Stark went to Tennessee and in, in uh, Sp uh Spider-Man 3 Iron Man 3 so there could be lots of Marvel Universe things being reset or it could just be Loki centric Mm -hmm. Or it could just be weak spots in the timeline, and mm -hmm. I mean, I guess we'll find that out as whatever it's doing. Forward. It's certainly seeding all of the multiverse of madness stuff, which we'll see actually. I think come into play in Spider-Man No Way Home, which will then seed into multiverse of madness, which will then go into whatever's going to happen after that. Um, the Eternals will probably play into it as well. I'm sure at some point, right? Would you Would you imagine the Eternals will play? So the Eternals that? are big cosmic stuff. Yeah, they're more the guardians of the galaxy world okay than they are the doctor strange world sure i mean when we think about like sliding out the three levels they've had so right they've, right right they've done the the earth-based heroes then we go to space with guardians, guardians and that yeah. that space world opens up we get a lot more that's where the eternals sit okay um but uh th there's also now this mystical world that feels like multiverse, but that's also Ant-Man. So there's some science there, right? Yeah. And I, I do have to say that I do believe the multiverse of Ant-Man's world is not what we're seeing here, right? Right. You get what I mean? Like that's the, the quantum realm. The sort quantum of stuff? realm is yeah. not an offshoot kind of thing. It's yeah. a parallel is reality. That, is that as if you're looking at it from like a, uh, you have our main timeline, and then you have like all of the realities which is almost like you're looking at it from a bird's eye view of things and then you go microscopic into the quantum realm and you have like a sub timeline like so yeah, you know what it I mean like, like it's timelines that exist underneath or the, within within right, that, right. whether it's layers like in photoshop yes or yeah. it's it's inside like it's in a nesting multiverses doll. are uh, you know above the timeline and then you have some sub you know beneath the timeline so who knows who, who knows do, what, and they have to lay that out mm -hmm. because there's so many pieces floating around right now they're gonna have their work cut out for them to not confuse the audience they must be doing so many like uh you know test rooms of like trying to explain to people to like people does how this how, how can do you understand what we're saying here and they have they to deliberately improve. go find people who aren't geeks like they have to right. go find who literally don't care right they literally right they're gonna have to they have to go and say mm -hmm. listen we want people who have only you know like alexa no offense we want the names <laughs> of people who have uh, only watched football and basketball for the past 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who have who, never seen an MCU movie. Never yeah. seen an MCU movie. <laughs> we need those people brought into the... Who uh, don't know how to use the internet to, right. to share with their friends and family what they uh, want. You know. Yeah, NDAs are being signed left and right, I'm sure, oh, too. I'm, so. I have no doubt. Um, yeah, so anyway, I think, let's real quick, I want to talk about um, just some of the filmmaking in general. Good. Uh, the aesthetic of this show is beautiful. No... Yeah, like I am constantly blown away by the art design and the shot choices and the movements and even the lighting, even some of the filth. Like I, I'm like, you know, there's this, this tracking shot or this dolly shot of them uh, walking through Mobius and, and Loki walking through the hallway. And I'm like, I can see the haze in the fluorescent lighting, but it's still so crisp and clear. Like everything just looks so vintage well, and <coughs> and it, clean at the same time. And vintage is a great word. Yeah. And there's that moment. And it's right before the moment you're talking about where we're in the uh, judge's office and mm -hmm. there's this like camera rotation that that ends on Loki in the same exact yeah. sitting position. That's a, that's a lot of really good filmmaking. It's and so and we are seeing that consistently through the piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's a real attention to visual detail. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and we'll talk about some details after this conversation because that just came into my head. But yeah. I do think the tone is, I mean, absolutely beautiful. And I would not say that about the other two no, I agree. series. Yeah. Although I would say the production design and art design and style of WandaVision mm -hmm. is not, because it's not consistent, because it's changing, it yeah. doesn't have the impact this does. But yeah. it, there's the same kind of quality work there. But the tone for the, at least just for the TVA, is unbelievable. Is it, it's amazing. I mean, even down to the animation of like these 1950s, like style things. Uh, you know, it's just it was just beautiful looking. Even like, you know, I love the uh, looking at the lighting. Everything's very practical. Mm -hmm. um, there's, I mean, there's shots where you can see the whole ceiling, and it's just these like dishes with light bulbs in them and I, there's I, I don't know if it's just my eyes but if it's playing a trick on me but it feels like there's always one dish one light that is a little bit more orange a little bit more vibrant saturated than the others and i don't know if that's actually the case or not because i'm just staring at all of these lights but if there is then that is, even that for me is like symbolic of this variant within the system of all of these lights or things you know i don't know what they're hiding in plain sight for us to Right, to you find. Know, to find. Uh, the, the orange tone in the world of their power mm -hmm. is fantastic, too. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a beautiful color. It's well used. Like, the, the mingling It's comforting, of the, too. The warmth it, it of is. all of these mm -hmm. lights makes you feel like you're in a safe space. But I don't think the, t the TVA is not a safe space in any way for Loki or for, I, I think, Mobius and some of the other workers. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think... It's yeah. a dangerous spot. They... they yeah, I, I agreed. The... I think that the sh this is a well-directed piece mm -hmm. of television. Mm -hmm. Not that the other ones we've watched haven't been well-directed, but there's a craftsmanship to this that is very specific to world-building, yeah. which WandaVision did not need to do because the world-building mm -hmm. was being reset every right, episode. Right. And certainly the world-building for Falcon and Winter Soldier exists. You yeah. don't have to build that world right. because that world is the world we've been in the MCU all along and here mm -hmm. we're someplace new and it clearly it's like we're set up right from the start uh, whether it's the you mean, I mean I love the typewriter print they're using in these documents mm -hmm. the, oh, you know, yes. these, these aren't yeah, yeah. documents that are printed on a printer they're right. they're they're typed they're um, typed documents yeah. uh, with very specific typewriter error right right um, right, you can see some smudges and yeah, things like all that. of those yeah. things. It's really well done. Yeah. It's some color, even down to like the ticker of where we are, and you know the changing of the time and the changing of things, and like nothing is set in stone. Like it seems like I'm standing in a uh, like a train station, and like the ticker is changing mm -hmm. for the new place that you're going to, or the time has changed for the track that you got to get on for the train, right? right? Um, it seems like anything could change at any moment, which again is time. Like the variancy of, of things could just constantly be changing. Uh, but yeah, even I, you know, some of my favorite shots were, you know, even just the, there's some illusions. There was this elevator shot that I actually thought they were on some kind of like, I thought it was coming towards us at first and then they've changed the view and it was an illusion. I thought they were coming towards us and now we were going down instead. But even, you know, they're sitting in this like cafeteria looking thing and you can see the scale of what's outside right. of this mm -hmm. window. And it just it it brought me back. It reminded me of like uh, it reminded me of like concept art for Star Wars. Yep. No, agreed. And like I can see I can see the concept art from from uh, I think his name's Ralph McQuarrie, who did a lot of the, the concept art for, for Star Wars. I'm just like I can see the science fiction early science fiction stuff from right the so this like mid-century stuff 30 40 50s yes. stuff that would be the covers of yeah asimov's not asimov mag magazine but analog magazine one of those early uh sci-fi magazines yeah yeah absolutely very cool stuff it, it even is even down it, to colors and tones of those things you know and yet still with the quality that allows the animation or mm -hmm. the, the digital effects well and it doesn't look real either and right like right. That, that stuff outside of the windows when they're looking at this whole space in the tva it doesn't look real like it looks like a weird drawing like set a matte drawing like it, you know? it, does. Yeah. it looks like there's a mat yeah. out there and one of the things too about the production design is i love the the food the food bowl in this episode mm -hmm. the salad bowl spectacular mm -hmm. the salt and pepper shakers like yeah. <laughs> everything feels <laughs> yeah. like it's so well chosen and yeah. not just in look but in size right mm -hmm. so that salad bowl is this weird tiny salad bowl right and those are all things that give us a sense of this not being 
our world certainly yeah and that yeah. clarity of world building plays off it's the same thing with that library that he's in in this episode mm -hmm. or the um the judge's room where you know they're walking through the uh, right right that's uh, disneyland the, kind of maze right. Th those those items were also clearly and specific designed and we have the costumes of the soldiers right these mm -hmm. agents who are going out to to deal with time Th those are quite good but they they're not really of the rest of the look right right like, they don't they don't scream that vintage retro they're vibe. specific they are specific clean well designed yeah but th that's allowing us to see anachronism in this environment right, right right well it shows that they're beyond time right and they know like if we did <laughs> anything that looks a little too vintage may not actually be effective right right if we stuck with period then it's not going to be is not going to be effective uh perhaps uh yeah the look overall is just blowing me away um and, and the, the further we get away from the tv i wonder how it's going to uh, how it's going to affect and, and as far as tone goes of the show because you go into uh, I mean when you go into the Alabama like rocks car or whatever the heck the pl this place was called um, you're getting some futuristic stuff right it was 2050 they didn't go overly futuristic right I think there was like one hologram which is totally doable um, right and people's name tags had they, yeah, you they're know like, LEDs as yeah, opposed to just yeah, a name it's like tag a, a rolling right thing underneath and uh yeah, like all of that's cool. They didn't go overly futuristic, which is always like my concern is. Well, I mean, he pulls a vacuum up at one point, right? He uses that yeah, as a weapon. Yeah, and, and it was a, still like a, it like was a still 1940s a big or 50s vacuum. Yeah. vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. That, I have to say that that space was really funny. It's mm -hmm. interesting it wasn't named a real space. Yeah. That, like, felt, yeah. that felt like something was going on there. Yeah. Uh, it's It was a, but again, beautifully shot. Mm -hmm. We're in that sort of greenish color tone, yeah. right? When the, again, mm -hmm. the haze we can see with oh, it's haze everywhere, crystal oh, it's clear <laughs> images. Um, yeah, it's just it's beautiful, and so yeah, I mean, as we get away from the TVA, I don't know how the tone is going to be effective if they're going to go more futuristic. Um, I mean, I it's very cool that they bring us to like Pompeii, and uh, where else did they bring us? Uh, though we we're in Oshkosh at the Renaissance Fair, right. like the I mean. I actually don't know if that was an actual Renaissance fair that they went to to shoot at, uh, but it I was fooled for a second and well, yeah, you, legitimately yeah. thought we were in like the 1500s or 1200 or whatever early early time period. And then Oshkosh, which I was like, oh my god, you fool, you completely fooled well, me. And there's that hilarious little bit of the woman saying, you know, some of us need this, which yeah, is a great, yeah. great. Well, like, and and then it, and then it immediately goes into uh, I need a hero, which is just I mean, if you watch any nerdum crap it's like they're gonna throw that song as luke skywalker fights through right something in you know another tv show or something but like you, that. you know the pompeii thing though actually plays interestingly into that same world as the the matte painting of you know the environment in the tva yeah because that explosive mountain behind that set was super tiny yeah like that's a little uh, yeah, tiny yeah, yeah, set yeah. Yeah, um, it felt to me like an episode of Doctor Who. I'm going to be really honest with you. There's a Doctor Who episode that takes place in Pompeii. You say set. I don't even know how much set. No, there agreed. Was, That's what right? I'm saying. Like yeah. there's an arc. I think there may have been. A, a, I think there may a have been. Cart. A, there's yes. There's an arch, a cart, and then like a dirt road. Right. And then everything, everything else is green right. screen. Or they're on the volume in like uh, in in at Lucasfilm or something like that. You know, but it, it feel they feel like matte paintings. Right? It feels yeah. like a set. It it felt like there was forced perspective. Like mm -hmm. I would see in a renaissance painting or right, right. what that i would do on stage to create and it was set. very deep focus like yeah very deep you could see everything was clear nothing was out of, out of absolutely out of not and it you know at first your my first response to that is like what's this feel like and then my second response is oh this reminds mm -hmm. me of yeah. the doctor who episode from you know that er, the early periods like the early 60s stuff yeah. where they were working in these super tiny weird little sets made of cardboard and then or matte paintings mm -hmm. or whatever it might be, you know, where there's 15 Daleks on the set, but yeah. 10 of yeah, them are right. literally flat yeah. pieces of cardboard. cardboard. Yeah. Um, and so it, it had that feel and yet still with the polish of the Marvel mm -hmm. world. And that to me is, is about a sense of craft from these guys that matters, right? 
yeah. we were talking earlier about the digital effects in Babylon 5 mm -hmm. and how th <laughs> those don't hold up really well, right? But they or were at done all, really. Or at all. Yeah. <laughs> but but they but they're done they were done on machinery that's impossible yeah. to even believe they made they those did effects it, on it, the machinery. That was, yeah. Here we're seeing them recreate a sensibility like that yeah. but with the polish of contemporary Right. effects and right. that's that takes a lot of thinking about what you want to create well it's it's certainly like you have to decide what art style you need to go with right. and how how can you replicate this style of art um on video on film you know and that's hard that's hard to do for sure uh so yeah i i mean i love what they're doing with the show and i'm very excited for what's to come um as far as the i mean I mean, the acting, I mean, we've talked about Loki before as far as Tom Hiddleston's performance, I think, and he's always good. I mean, obviously a fan favorite, but uh, it feels to me that he's um, he's certainly a, the only thing maybe I have is that the issue is that he feels more like the Loki that we've seen in later films like Ragnarok as far as his humor goes and things of that nature, because he I don't think we I remember him acting like this in. The first Thor, or even uh, Thor Two, it's Avengers where we see that sensibility start to appear, especially mm -hmm. towards the end when humor becomes a tool of the storyline, right? Because yeah. he's brutal and dangerous before that, yeah. Uh, and then we see the, a transition. But you're right; the we I mean, don't get a joking Loki, right? You know, or a uh, a charming even Loki, all that, all that often. But he's continuously in episode two trying to charm the pants off of Mobius, right. you know, um, and making jokes and cracking, you know, cracking jokes here and there. So, yeah, they make a great double act, the two of them. Yeah. Uh, we've said that earlier, but I, I, I think that they're really, besides well cast, well directed. Yeah. And the staging is good. They keep them in close proximity when they're mm -hmm. working. Mm -hmm. they're, they're right up in each other's business. Yeah, they're w working together in the space, for right. sure. Y we're watching actors acting together, yeah. which is nice. But yeah, I, I was. that's the only thing that feels like it could be out of place is that he is more so the Loki of Ragnarok and uh, probably what would have been Loki in, in Infinity War if he had survived right. than the Loki of the timeline that he just came out of. Do you know what I'm saying? And so he has, cause he, there was this arc that would have happened for him mm -hmm. that didn't happen yet. And so, but he's, but he feels like he's ahead of the arc. I feel like he's ahead of the arc, right. which is fine to me because we, I prefer that Loki anyway. Um, it's the same way. I prefer the joking Thor than the Thor of uh, Thor one and Thor two. You know, I prefer Ragnarok right. Thor. And so I think trying to, trying to stay in the Taika Waititi consistency of his version of Thor, cause he completely changed, mm -hmm. right? The tone. Um, is is the right way to go, but that's that's the only thing that feels like it could be off as far as time goes. But it's not; it's just a slight thing that it's not even worth even mentioning. Even though I just did it for like a minute and a half. It's worth acknowledging that the end credits again are Goodness, yeah. like beautifully done, well crafted, and speak to the mm -hmm. overarching story. So mm -hmm. we're going to continue to learn the importance of any yeah. individual screen yeah. in the way that we had that happen during. Falcon and Winter Soldier and yes, during WandaVision. Yeah. There's information in those. They're, they're, they're not just credit for credit's sake. Right. There's some information that you can still pick up on. Um, right. You can skip eight minutes of international credits, but you should not skip any yeah, graphic-based yeah, yeah, yeah. credits. Yeah. yeah. And uh, at some point, I imagine we'll get some kind of end credit. I would I would assume at we're some point get some post-credit sequence yeah. here as we move forward. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if we're going to see a, a guest appearance of anyone at some point along the way too, especially as... What do you mean? Like a, like a Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, guest appearance? Like no, a, like a I random mean a cameo actor? Like someone oh, we know. Okay. Because like like we're, a Thor showing up. Because we're in this okay. broken timeline. I wonder I if that's something we're going to see. I also want to mm. say that I love, I love the opening credit Loki words, words. transition mm. that idea variant present there and yeah. the really really stylized sense of that lettering which we saw them yeah. make a conscious effort with in WandaVision but yeah. here it speaks to what we it speaks to the the feel of the story as opposed to giving us concrete information yeah uh, and maybe it is concrete information, yeah. but it doesn't matter. And well, I, it, and makes, I it makes love me wonder: Will we get more Lokis together than just these two? Um, will we have a Loki verse of all of these, you know, variants? Which would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. But well, and and some all some would be multiple Tom Hiddlestons potentially, and some would be just completely new people, different people. Right. So, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, 
Anywhere else you want to go with this? I'm not quite sure where else to go. No, I think that, we, I mean, we certainly gave short shrift to the first episode, but I think that that's fine. Uh, we'll be back for each of the remainings. I do want to say I hate Wednesday release dates. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. It's uh, Sunday as we record this, and I just had time to watch. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult thing for the conversation yeah. for me. I much prefer the Friday, yeah, Friday release watch, or Thursday uh, release yeah, where yeah. you can you can watch and talk about it. Wednesday's a strange day I'm for not me. sure why they're doing that other than the fact that they're still releasing new Bad Batch episodes for Star Wars mm-hmm. on Fridays. I think that may be why, but I think Bad Batch would be better served on Wednesdays than... Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think we're really definitely looking at... I, the danger for me is partly just social media. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, the damage you can have in a show like this with in the middle of the week, it's hard. And mm. people, you may say, oh, it's the summer. People have more time. I, I don't, I don't think it's the case at all. And so I really yeah. dislike a Wednesday release date. I pref- and I, and I struggle with that. Um, uh, the expanse was doing the same thing hmm. and I just struggled with keeping up on that time. Yeah. For uh, sure. I much prefer to, to have it as sort of a cat for my week. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Right. Like right, right. the candy of, right. of my it was week. The same thing with game of Thrones, right? It felt yeah. like to me, Sundays, I mean on calendar Sundays is the start of the week, but to me, Sundays is the, and it's the weekend. It's the last moment, right? It's the last day. Monday for me starts my week. And being able to finish my week with Game of Thrones and then I go to bed and wake up and do the whole thing over right. again. Right, and the week, the week has cap. stuff for me to think about and whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and agree. with this, it's just like I, nobody starts their week on Wednesday and ends their week on Wednesday. That's just It never happens. Right. And uh, it's just thrown in there midweek it's just really weird it's, so. I, I, and, I'm and i don't have that. time because i'm working and right. then and then i have a wedding on friday and saturday and i can't watch and then i end up doing a sunday and then you walk in right as i'm in oshkosh wisconsin and i'm completely thrown off by the fact that i'm not actually right in 1200 ad uh when you have yeah. to really be careful of social media presence i mean yeah yeah you know my well thank god you're not still like in school because you know, if if I were still in high school or even in in, in a university or something, you're gonna have people talking about this next day in oh, class, sure. and you're completely screwed. There's no avoiding. What's yeah, happening. you have to keep up when you're in these public yeah. environments. But the social media presence is problematic because you don't have control over it. I can walk into a classroom and say, if you talk about Loki, I'm giving everyone an F. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, when I go on social media or like I p- open up my YouTube uh, on yeah, this, yeah, right, my Apple. Uh, you gotta be TV. careful of the screen. Crush. Literally, thumbnail the, that's gonna come up. The thumbnails that come up are yeah. informative. Yeah, and and I they know there's some something. people who are. I know some people are careful about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are organizations that are careful, but some of them aren't, and yeah. that is uh, that. It's just a challenge. It's not. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't enjoy battling against the social media presence in these. But that's it. That's yeah. all I want to say. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Racking Focus podcast. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation by leaving us a message at anchor.fm slash Racking Focus podcast. The link is in the description of this episode. We'd love to feature you in the podcast and respond to your questions and thoughts in a future episode. And if you want to track all the films we watch and talk about, you can catch either of us at Letterboxd. Uh, You can find me there at John Doyle. And I'm at Josiah Blizzard. The links to our profiles are also in the description of this episode. We'd also love for you to leave us a review wherever you're listening. And we ask you to leave a five-star review because that helps people notice us. But you can leave whatever comments you want about us in the review. That way you can share your opinion and increase the conversation. Lastly, follow us on Instagram at Racking Focus Podcast, where we post screen grabs from some of our films we're watching and where we'll keep you updated on the episodes that are releasing week by week. If you are listening to an episode, we'd love for you to share a screenshot of that episode you're listening to and tag us in your story.